Hey everyone, welcome back to the Steadfast Podcast. This week we are going back to the book of Genesis as we go chronologically through the scriptures. We finished up the book of Job last week, which brings us to Genesis chapter 12. Uh, Picking up with who will be known as Abraham, but at this point he's going to be known as Abram. So grab your Bibles. We will be going through the King James Version today. We will be in Genesis chapter 12. We are in Genesis chapter 12, but we're actually going to back up a couple verses just to get a running start and take a look at Abraham's father. We're going to look at chapter 11, verse 31. To start here, it says, And Terah took Abram his son, and Lot the son of Haran his son's son, and Sarai his daughter in law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan. And they came unto Haran and dwelt there. And the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. It was important that we backed up to see what's really going on as we head into the call of Abram here. Abram's father and Abram's family, Terah, they served idols. Now, if Abram stays around that, you can be influenced. Called being unequally yoked. Any of us can be influenced if you're around something long enough. That's why in the Psalms it says, uh, Blessed is the man walketh not after the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners. A man that's happy and is blessed doesn't go down that path where sinners go, nor sits in the seat of scorners. You're not going to take a seat where people that mock God, and when you practice serving other idols, serving something other than the one true God, you are mocking him. So Abram, God's going to tell him, hey, get away from Ur of Chaldees, from Babylon. It's a land of idolatry. Abram, get away from that. I'm calling you out of that. I actually have a land for you to go to, a land called Canaan. And he's going to obey. And we saw right here, he obeys and he leaves for Canaan. But he's not going to totally obey, as we see in verse 1, what he's asked to do. Because he doesn't end up going all the way to Canaan. And he also brings his family with him. God is calling him away from his family. He's going to disobey. And this is going to 
hold them up for a few years. And Haran. Haran is not where God is calling him to. God's calling him unto Canaan. But Abram, because of his family, is held up in Haran. Haran actually means to be parched. To be parched. So spiritually speaking, because he's not going to fully obey God, he's not going to come into that blessing, and he's going to be stalled here. He's going to be held up. He's going to be parched. Uh, when you don't follow God, here's what's happened. We don't surrender fully. You become spiritually dry. Here's the thing about faith. Faith is not something you do partly. Real, genuine faith is complete surrender. Well, of course, none of us are perfect in that. But your heart, if you really are going by faith, should follow that path and head in the direction of complete surrender to the Lord. Real faith really begins with a funeral. What's the funeral of? The funeral is of our old will. Real faith says not my will be done, but mine. We have a funeral for our will. It's gone. I completely surrender to you and your will, God. That's real, genuine faith. So let's dig into chapter 12. With that context, that understanding that he went with his family to Haran. It says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get, get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house. Get away from them unto a land that I will show you. You see, God knew that Abram's father and the family that worshipped these false idols that were, had bad influences on him, they would influence Abram. So God's saying, get away from him. Get away from your kindred, from your family, from your father's house. Leave that. I'm calling you away from that. And I'm calling you onto a land, and I'm going to show you what it is. God knew his family would hold him back from his calling. God had special plans for him. Sometimes the calling God puts on our life can be hard. Oh, oh we take upon his yoke, right? And, and uh, we rest in that. And uh, the burden is light in Christ Jesus. But sometimes the hard part is sometimes... You have to separate yourself from somebody that you love. Sometimes your ministry is miles away from your family. Sometimes he calls you away from your family because your family might not be believers. They might be bad influences and he's calling us to separate ourselves from them. Doesn't mean we're never friendly with them or we never minister unto them. It calls us away from their influence, calls us away from that hanging out where that stuff's going on. 
Sometimes it calls you away because spiritually you would be unequally yoked with them. What happens when you're unequally yoked? You're going to end up suffering spiritually. You're going to end up getting hurt. A yoke was something that they would put around two oxen to connect them, right? To go and work. They put around their necks. And if that yoke is not equal in balance, those oxen are not going to pull in the same manner, in the same way, in the same direction. And what's going to happen is one pulls one way and one's not balanced, it's pulling the other way. It's going to hurt. And there's going to be struggle. That is what always happens when you're unequally yoked. We're called to be separated from those that would bring that influence in our life that would cause struggle and spiritual suffocation. If God calls you, no matter what it is, do it. But my family here, what about my family? Jesus would say this about his family. When his mom and his brothers came. And they say, hey, G Jesus, your mom and your brothers are here. He said, who is my mother? Who is my brothers? The ones that do the will of God. They're the ones. Jesus said, that's the true family of God. The real family. Your real family, the one that actually lasts past this life, is God's family, God's kids, those that are born again. That is your real family. That's the ones that will be around for eternity. All others, yes, we love them. And we're going to do our best to love upon them. But we're called out from the influences. We're called to separate ourselves. From those that would be yoked up to us and cause suffering spiritually. If God calls you to do something, do it. And sometimes, if you do what God calls you to do, there are going to be people that don't like it. Especially if you have family and friends that think you're a religious nut. That thinks you go overboard because you, you're involved. Everything's about the church and you're no fun anymore. Your family and your friends may disapprove. Now, the scriptures are very clear. We're to respect our parents, our family. We're to honor our father and mother. And love our neighbor as ourselves. But we must always do God's will, even if it's disapproved by those that we love. So here's a question. Do you love your family more than God's calling? Some struggle with that, right? Do I dare say this? Yes, I do. Some people have made their family their God. 
My family is the most important thing in my life, you say. My kids are everything to me. Yes, they're important. Those kids belong to God. You're, you're to be a good steward over those kids. If you're a parent. And a good steward over your over your wife or your or your husband. Be a good steward to be a good son unto your parents or good parents unto your kids. But your first love that you came unto when you were born again is Jesus Christ. And there was no substitute for that. And there's no substitute for obedience to him. That's what he calls us out unto. And he's calling Abraham, known as Abram here, come away from your family. Get away from that influence. Come to a land that I'm going to show you. Well, verse 2. It says, here's what's going to happen if you obey Abram. It says, I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. That's what Nimrod wanted, right? But he tried to do it in his own power, in his own way, and didn't need God. Didn't work. But Abram, his name is going to be great. There's only one true God, and there's only one true religion, and that's Christianity. But Abram's name was great, and it's great in Christianity. It's great among the Jews and Judaism, and it's great among Muslims. They all look up to Abram. His name indeed is great. It says, you shall be a blessing. Verse 3, and I will bless them that bless thee. And curse him that curses thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Abram, here's what's going to happen with you. Come, come out of this. I'm calling you out of this unto something different. Unto something much better. And what's going to happen, Abram, as you come out of this? This, this worldly life. Into a faith-based relationship with God. The whole world is going to be blessed by this, Abraham. By your obedience. What's it going to come through this? It's all speaking of what would come known as the Messiah. The Mashiach. In the New Testament be known as the Christ. Jesus the Christ. The Anointed One. That would come. And bless the whole earth with the opportunity to be saved, to deal with the sin problem, and be set free from bondage, be set free from addiction, set free to have a direct relationship, not through a priest, not from a distance, but personal relationship directly to the throne of God, where we can Speak to him, and he speaks to us through his word, and one day we'll see him face to face and spend eternity with him. This is the blessing that's going to come, Abraham. Well, Abraham is new to this walk, and he starts out slow in his faith, in his obedience. He comes out from Ur of the Chaldees. He leaves Babylon. 
but it's only a partial obedience. As he takes his dad with him and gets hung up in Haran for two years until his dad dies. And he takes his family, he takes Lot with him. But God has a calling upon his life. And just like all of us, that he puts a calling upon us. God will see it through. Sometimes we're a little slow. But God uses imperfect people. Like you and I. Now, it's never an excuse to be imperfect because God's going to use me anyways. No, that's, that, that's not how it works. John would later say, sin not. But if for some reason we do sin, because we're imperfect people, in a process in this world, for some reason we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Christ Jesus, who paid our penalty, past, present, and future. But the standard is to still sin not and be holy as God is holy. But it's a process. And as we grow in our faith, he uses us where we're at. All we need to do is be open to him, letting him in every aspect of our life. And he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. He's the one who completes it. And he says to Abram here, I will bless them that bless you. And curse him that curses you. And in ye shall all families of the earth be blessed. And indeed, the nation of Israel will end up coming through this line. And this blessing and cursing, I believe, is still taking place today. A blessing and cursing that's proved throughout history on how nations, how people have treated Israel. If you've been a blessing toward Israel, you've been blessed. If you've come against Israel in God's timing, you have been cursed. We've seen that throughout history. If you look at Spain, if you look at Greeks after Antiochus destroyed the temple in Jerusalem. Same thing with Rome, right? More recent, in the, in the, within the last hundred years, we had Germany, right? Nazi Germany seemed to get ahead for a little while, but it doesn't last. God deals with them, and they're brought down, and they fall because they come against the Jews. The Soviet Union, the Soviet Union was cruel to the Jews that they had in their border. And the cruel to Israel, and they've been taken back. Here's the thing. The best foreign policy any nation can have is to support Israel. I believe that's one of the reasons why the United States has been so blessed through the years. And I pray that we keep it up as a nation. We have been Israel's closest ally since 1948 when they became a nation once again. A miraculous thing that happened after almost 2,000 years of not even existing. They miraculously become a nation again, and we've been their ally. That doesn't mean that everything they say in Israel is uh, we agree with, but we support their right to exist and to flourish. I mean, 
It is true that Israel right now is rather a secular society. It's pretty secular. I mean, there's religion over there in Judaism, but what it is, it is religion. Religion and secularism. So we may not support everything they do, but we do support them. And we and we, we understand this principle here, and they do have a right to exist. They're God's special people, and God has a covenant with them that he will keep. God is in no way... No shape or form done with Israel. The scripture is very clear. As God will set his eyes toward Israel when the time of the Gentiles comes in full. Verse 4 says, So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. Even though Abram and uh, God told Abram to come away from your family, he brings Lot with him. Says, and Abram was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. So his father has now died in Haran. Hung him up for two years because he didn't do what God called him to do. But there's still a problem. He had short Canaan. Problem is he has Lot with him. Again, still unequally yoked. Now, we can choose the easy way with God, or we can choose the hard way. We should always choose the easy way. Just simple obedience in full, not partial. We don't want to choose the hard way like Jonah did. And God eventually will get you where you need to be. But the best way is just to obey in total faith. And that comes maturity over time. Abraham's new. Okay. It's a new walk for him. It's a process for him. So he's not there yet. Not in total faith. So he takes a lot with him. So Abraham's going to experience some hard circumstances because of law. He's going to see some things that are going to really break his heart. Verse 5. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan. And into the land of Canaan they came. Now, don't picture this just three people. It's not Abram, Sarai, and Lot. Okay, that's not what's happening here. Abram was a wealthy man. This would be a huge caravan of people. He would have servants. He would have livestock. Uh, so this is, a, this is a big move here. In verse 6, And Abram passed through the land unto the place of Shechem, unto the plain of Morah. And the Canaanite was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land, and there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto them, unto him. It took a couple of years. Shouldn't have, but it took a couple of years, and then God appears to him again. Why did it take so long to God to appear to, uh, to him again? 
Here's the thing. He didn't fully obey what God had asked him to do in the first place. Here's the thing with God. Once we do the first thing he asked, we're faithful to complete what he called us to do. Then he may ask us to do more, right? What happens in a lot of our lives is God's work can be stalled by disobedience or half obedience. Because of our lack of faith. If God calls you to do something, whether you understand it fully, or whether you even believe it can happen, if he puts a calling on your life, do it. Surrender. And you'll get there. As your journey and, and, and more time you spend in walking with the Lord and opening this book and him proving himself to you, you will trust him more that you will just step out in faith. Abram here got stalled along the way. See, God doesn't give us a big old picture. He sees big picture. But what God usually gives us is one step at a time. God says, here's a step. This is what I want you to do. Okay, and then what do I do, God? Well, I didn't tell you what else to do, right? I asked you to do this. I know, but it'd be a lot easier if I knew what was going to happen next. That's not the way God operates, typically. He wants us to be faithful in completing whatever he's asked us to do. See, we don't have our future laid out before us. Some people want to do that in the world, right? They want to plan everything out. And typically, it doesn't happen as you plan out. But maybe you do get a lot of things you plan out, and then you find out that wasn't satisfaction anyway. So, I mean, what was the point of all that? But God, for the believer, what he's called you to do, he's not gonna, he doesn't lay it all out before you. Step by step, day by day, what do you have for me today, Lord? What do you got going on, and what? how can I be a part of it? So God would say, hey, I want you to do this right now. This is what I have for you today. And if you stall, what happens? In Abram's case, Abram's case here was silence. He didn't appear to him until two years later. Once he had taken the steps God had asked him to do, he calls to him to, again. Comes to him again. Here's the, the the thing. I think why the why Lord does this. If he only gives us one step at a time, and we don't see what's over the horizon, we don't we don't see everything. What does that require of us? That requires faith. And we take that one step, and we see yeah, the, the Lord is good. He's had a plan. I didn't quite understand it. He worked it out. And what does that do? It strengthens our faith. It allows us to rely on our faith and exercise our faith. We want to exercise our faith muscles. Just like our physical muscles. If we don't exercise our faith muscles, they won't grow. In fact, they will shrink. They're going to atrophy. Like those that may be bedridden. You see what happens to muscles quickly. Same thing spiritually. If you're spiritually bedridden, 
Your focus in, is not on the kingdom. Your focus is not on taking whatever step he's called you to. We know a lot of steps he's called us to because we reopen the word of God and we know certain principles and certain um, things that lead to righteousness that we are to apply in our lives. Every, every time we come to the scripture, we should take heed to hear what is it saying and how do we apply it to our life. When you come on Sunday mornings, Sunday evenings, Wednesday evenings to church, and the pastor giving the message the Lord has put on his heart and speaking scripture, and when it comes and it speaks to your heart, applying it to your life, taking heed, that is the will of God. Verse 8. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Hion the east. And there he built an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed going still toward the south. Now, verse 10. And there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. Abram arrives, and there's famine in the land. Now, Abram, no doubt, is in God's will. Yet there's famine in the land. How can there be famine in the land? He's doing what God wants him to do, finally. It took him a little while, but he's doing it. Well, partially, he's bringing a lot with him. But Why is the famine there? Because it's part of God's will. And here's what often happens. When we serve God, we take those steps of faith. We do what he's calling us to do. Sometimes, often, there are tests or trials that take place. Abram's going to be tested. Now, he's early on in his walk with the Lord. So his faith really is not very strong yet. And he's going to fail this test. You see, your walk with the Lord and you're stepping out in faith and you're serving him is not always easy chairs and ice cream sundaes and just taking your feet up. Although it is resting in God, absolutely. But it's resting in him through circumstances, some circumstances that may be tough. There are tests in our lives. And because he's weak in his faith, he fails here. He'll be given more chances. And this is a process for him. But his fear ends up sending him to Egypt. And I encourage you guys. Where you are in your journey with the Lord. Maybe you're new in your faith. I encourage you. If you can get this early in your faith. Awesome. If we're walked with the Lord a while. We need to get this. Don't ever let fear move you. The only thing that should ever move you is God. Don't let fear move you. Don't let the circumstance in your life move you. From doing what God has called you to do. There will be instances in your life, especially if you're serving the Lord and and 
there's you're really excited about something ministry wise that it may look like, hey, that door's starting to close. Oh, the door's starting to close. Let's give up on it. If God calls you, slow down, wait upon the Lord. Let him renew your strength. Don't, don't make decisions based on fear or based on circumstances, but trust him. He's got a plan. And if there's a circumstance, it's because God wants that famine there. He wants that thing there to test you. There's a purpose for it. And Abram fails. His fear sends him to Egypt. God didn't send him there. And he didn't even check with God. What happened is he stopped trusting God. Which happens from time to time with new believers, with us more mature in the faith. Hopefully we don't, we don't fall down this path. We need to fully surrender to God. And that's why I spoke earlier about real faith begins with a funeral. A funeral of what? A funeral of our will. We surrender our will and say, thy will be done. It's going to be much better, his will, no matter what the circumstances. Being in God's will in a storm is much safer than being out of God's will with your feet up and a lazy boy. So he stopped trusting God and he said, hey, there's a famine here. We got to get out of here. And he uses human ingenuity. He uses his own human power, human strength to get out and go to Egypt, which is not going to be a smart thing for him. He's going to fail this instance of the fear. Verse 11, and it came to pass when he was come near to enter into Egypt, that he said unto Sarai, his wife, behold now, I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. Therefore, it shall come to pass when the Egyptians shall see thee, that they shall say, this is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will save thee alive. Say, I pray thee. Thou art my sister, that it may be well with me for thy sake, and my soul shall live because of thee. Abram's disobedience leads him right to Egypt and right into some trouble. And Abram, I don't know if he's seeing how people are looking at his wife. I mean, she she must she's pretty up there in age, but um, she's beautiful. Even in that age, and she was obviously preserved, and whatever it may be the case, Abram decides to lie. It's a half lie, but it's a lie. I mean, she has the same father, but different mother. But there's no such thing as a half truth. It's either true or a lie. Half lie is always a lie. So Abram, in his weak faith, they went to Egypt and then the still continues in that weak faith and problems bring on more problems. That's what happens. But again, it's a process for him. God has got a plan and he'll bring him through. We got to understand sometimes that we don't always grow as fast as we want to. 
some of us need to also understand we can grow faster than we are. Our growth depends on seeking the Lord and his kingdom, seeking his face and his righteousness and obedience. But sometimes the process is slower than maybe we want it to be. Our walk with the Lord isn't like, it isn't instant coffee. We live in this world where everything's instant. We want things when we want it, immediately. But growth in the Lord isn't always like that. It's not fast food. It's not microwave. You don't have microwave faith. You put it in. Okay, I, I, I believe in the Lord. Uh, I'm ready to the microwave and I'll heat it up. It's done. It's not like that. And Abram's going through a process just like you and I are going through a process. The important thing is, are we serious about our faith? We haven't arrived yet. But we are serious enough to be going in the right direction. It's not about perfection. It's about direction. Perfection is still the standard. But we fall short of that. And we won't have perfection until we're in eternity. Because we'll be molded into his image. But we've got to be headed in the right direction. And, and we don't live up to that gigantic faith. Don't beat yourself up. Get back up and start trusting again. Pray, pray to God more. His prayer will settle you down. Verse 14. And it came to pass that when Abram was come into Egypt, the Egyptians beheld the woman that she was very fair. So they did it just as he thought they would. Says so the princes also of Pharaoh saw her and commended her before Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. They entreated Abram well for her sake. And he had sheep and oxen and donkeys and men servants and maid servants and she donkeys and camels. So you see all this livestock here. Given of this livestock shows that Abraham made some kind of agreement with Pharaoh. Now this sounds horrible, doesn't it? He allows his wife to go to Pharaoh. So one disobedience, and what happens? Things progress, and things get worse and worse as we try to justify and come up with things in our own power, our own ability. He's going against God's plan here. And Abram, we got to get this corrected real quickly, and God's going to get him out of there. He's going to protect him. Can protect anything happening between Pharaoh and Sarai because the Messiah is supposed to come through this. Verse 17. And the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. 
Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this that you have done unto me? Why didst thou not tell me that she was thy wife? How embarrassing, right? Abram doesn't realize this yet, even though God's told him that you're going to be great, Abram. But Abram's going to end up being the father of her faith, and he's rebuked by an unbeliever, a pagan here. Again, realize he's new in his walk, but those of us who have been walking with the Lord, just, just one little thing can ruin it all. So we're going to be careful. Trust in him, obey, rest in him. And Abram's headed down a wrong path here. And very embarrassing for the father of faith. Verse 19. Why sayest thou she is my sister? So I might have taken her to me and to wife. Now therefore behold your wife. Take her and go your way. And Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him. And they sent him away. And his wife. And all that he had. So Abram knew in his calling, starts to obey, but doesn't start out that strong, does he? Abram's faith, though, will develop, and he will indeed be who God envisioned for him to be. God will complete that work in him. And he will, his name will be great. He'll be the father of nations. And the Messiah will come through the line of Abraham. And all the nations will be blessed. The whole world will be blessed. Same for us. God's got a calling upon your life. And he's calling you out. Out from the world. And that may be your family. Maybe to be separated from those they want nothing to do with Christ, that are even blood, that are family. On you out of the world and into Jesus Christ. And in our journey, we may start out weak in our faith like Abram. But if you surrender to him, God will get you where he wants you to be. And you will become that vessel of honor as we give our will a funeral and surrender to his will. Here's the thing the scripture says. It says, when we are faithless, God remains faithful. And I'm thankful for that the times where we don't measure up. The Bible says we are to grow in, in faith and the knowledge of God. And as you know him more, if you're serious about your faith and you're seeking the kingdom of God, as you know him more, faith will increase. We all, all have growth to do. 
Growth needs to take place in all of us. But here's the thing. It takes people being serious about their faith. Our faith should be growing. It should be increasing. It's either increasing or decreasing. One thing I wanted to mention as we're head out here on this podcast. Hebrews chapter 12. It's called the Hall of Faith. It tells about all these great men of faith. Abraham is there. And when you look at that chapter, it does not mention the lack of faith of any of them. Well, we get it in the Old Testament, and it's recorded for us. The official record of Abraham in the, in the Hall of Faith speaks of his triumphs, not his failures. The same with us. Now, we, of course, of Abraham, we have Old Testament records that are there for our benefit. But as far as ours, it's never recorded. If you are born again, have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, if you have been saved, the only thing recorded is your triumphs, those things you've done in Christ. Our sins are blotted out. Now being blotted out doesn't mean we have a license to sin. God forbid, right? I mean, we are to not sin. For some reason, we fall short of an advocate with the Father in Christ Jesus. If you are really saved, you know there's a need and a desire for holiness, and we're going to seek Him in His kingdom. And in this process, in this journey, we're seeking Him. He will get us where we need to be. We'll see you guys all next week.